you're normally expecting to have a good time. No one goes to a party and is like, you know, this is going to be lame. Because if you think it's going to be lame, you don't normally go. Some of you, the reason why you don't like going to parties is because you're like, parties are lame. But if you like parties and you're expecting the party to be fun and to, and to be a great time, then you're like, I love going to parties. Why? Because you have an expectation. Now think about this for a second. What would happen if we, the church, the people of God, every time we got together expected God to do something? In fact, let me take it one step further. What if every time we came together on Sundays we're like, dude, it's going to be a giant party. And you're like, what's going to happen there? Dude, we're going to have worship, music. We're going to get together. There's going to be laughter. Man, there's going to be times where, like, maybe there's gifts. Like, hey, first-time visitor gifts. Hey, there's going to be moments where, like, when we come together, there's going to be these moments where um, not only are we going to have these fun activities, we're going to have some free great coffee in there. Father's Day, we're going to be throwing down some meat for all the dads in the house, so you're not going to want to miss that. Um, on Father's Day, like what, what do we do? Like we're going to have a party. And what if every week we came with an expectation to party with Jesus? In fact, I, I think this, the church, we should be the ones leading in the party category. Because here, here's one of the great things. When you leave church, you don't leave with a hangover. <laughs> you actually normally remember what happened at church. Unless you had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and sometimes, let's just say that's just weird, and it's just a whole other level, and you lay out on the ground for a while, and those type of things happen, and, and we talked about that a few weeks back, where some of the things that happen with the Holy Spirit are weird. Let's just be honest. It's just weird. But it's awesome. It is awesome. I'm telling you, like, there's nothing like it. There have been times where I have been in the presence of God in an altar and just like literally worshiped so hard. I was sweating through my clothes. It was just like, and then afterwards I'm just like, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> like stumbling off back home. I probably basically had like a spiritual hangover is what it felt like a little bit the next day. But there was an expectation. One of the things I love so much about summer camp is that I always expect our students and our kids to actually have an experience with God that will change their life. In fact, that's why we as a church do what we do. If you didn't know this, we actually pay for more than half of every student's cost to go to camp. Um, the cost is like 250 bucks or something like that. We pay $150 for every student to go to camp. The reason is, is because we know one encounter with Jesus can change everything. So we're believing that when those kids get there, I'm expecting for them to be, like, changed. I'm expecting for some of them to be called into ministry. I'm expecting for some of them to be healed. I'm expecting for some of them to experience the Holy Spirit in a new way. I'm expecting some of them to come back from their, like, wanting to win their schools for Jesus. And those expectations lead to the place where I came and I said, you know what, let's as a board, let's take away every excuse that a family could have of why they want to or don't want to send their kid to camp. Oh, it's just too expensive. No, this week can change their lives. And then, in fact, we said, hey, listen, if money is an issue, we'll actually sponsor your kid to where they can go for free. Because we believe so much in that. Now, I do believe there needs to be some skin in the game like anything, but at the same time, we want our students to experience God's presence there at week. Why? Because we have an expectation. Look at your neighbor and say expectation. Okay, look at your neighbor and say expectation. What are you expecting today? What happened when you came in today? Were you, 
Were you expecting, well, I was expecting the coffee to be good. Okay. What else? Well, maybe I was expecting there would be music. Okay. What else? Well, I was expecting there would be a time where I could give. Okay. What else? Well, I was expecting there would be like a moment where, you know, there would be a message. Okay. What else? Well, maybe ultimately I was just expecting to hear from God today. Come on now. Now we're getting somewhere. Beyond the things that we do and the methods we use, are we expecting God to move? And what would happen if we actually came with expectation? Expectation by definition is this, a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. A belief that someone will or should achieve something. What if we came expecting God to move? What if every time we said, hey, listen, every time the bride of Christ, every time the church gathers together, I'm expecting God to move? What if we actually believed that every time we corporately worship together that people were going to be healed? We're like, I'm just expecting it. I'm expecting people to be set free. I'm expecting for things to happen in and around us. I'm expecting to meet with God. In this series, Battle Plans, that we're in, we've been talking about this idea that we're in a spiritual battle. And, and here's the thing about when you're in a battle. You can expect the enemy to attack. I think sometimes we're like, we act surprised, like, oh, I couldn't believe the enemy actually attacked me. Well, uh, duh. That's why he's the enemy. He's going to attack your marriage. He's going to attack you. There's going to be temptation that's going to come your way. Why? Because he's an enemy. He's trying to get you to fail. He's trying to get you to falter. But guess what? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God is greater than the circumstances around us, but we've got to expect that God is greater. Three weeks ago when we were talking about the Holy Spirit, we were talking about how the Holy Spirit changes us, it unifies us, and it empowers us. And I made this statement. I said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. When we expect great things from God. Like we're just like, every time we come together, we're like, I'm expecting God to move. Then what happens is, is we then attempt great things for God. It's like, God, I'm expecting you to move. So you know what? When someone comes to me and says, I'm sick in body, I say, you know what? I'm expecting great things from God. So I'm going to attempt great things for God. Someone earlier was telling me, she said, you know, Pastor Brian, I was outside and I was trying to get out of my car and get something like a walker out. And she said, and I fell because there, there was a hole in the yard. And I fell over and I hurt myself and my shoulder's hurting really bad. And I was sitting there in my mind and I was like, man, that really stinks. That's what my mind was thinking. And then the Holy Spirit was like, dumb, dumb, pray for her. And I was like, oh, yeah, hey, can I pray for you? Yes, please do. So I laid my hand on her shoulder and prayed for her. Why? Because I'm expecting great things for God. And so I'm willing to attempt great things for God. How cool would it be for her to be like, boom, what? It's healed. And those moments happen. This week, one of our team members here on the Dream Team was, was having pain in their their hip all the way down their leg, like excruciating pain, had been dealing with it for a while, came down to the altar. One of our prayer team people prayed for him. They prayed for him beforehand, but this time when the husband and wife were praying for her, all of a sudden that pain left, and guess what? It has not returned. Come on, that's healing. So we expect great things from God, and we attempt great things 
before God. My, my life verse has, has been Ephesians 3.20. It's, it just, it's something that for me I believe so strongly in. And that is this idea that God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And the reason why that's a life verse for me is because I just expect God to do impossible things. It's like when I read the pages of scripture, I cannot help but expect God to do great things. Some people are like, you know what, Pastor Brian, sometimes I feel like you're like a wealth and health type preacher. Yeah, you know why? Because I just expect God to bless his kids. I expect that he has good health for his kids. I expect that he has wealth for his kids. You may say, well, why do you expect that? One, I've seen it in the lives of believers. Two, I read it on the pages of Scripture, and people say, well, what about those passages of Scripture that talk about suffering? Yeah, those moments happen. But I don't think that's the long-term play with the Lord. I think we go through valleys, but we also have mountaintop experiences. And I want to see God do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever imagine or guess or request. And so when I come and I'm praying for people, I'm believing for complete healing. And when someone comes to me and says, Pastor Brian, I got a cancer diagnosis. And some people are, man, like, listen, if you hear that, it could feel like a death sentence. That prognosis comes across and it causes so many questions. But you know what I always think of when someone says, hey, Pastor Brian, I found out like I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with cancer. Here's what I always, I always believe God's right. I'm like, boom, no, God can do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever imagine or guess or request beyond your wildest dreams. He can turn those cells around. He can cause the body to work the way it was intended to work. Why? Because God is enough. My expectation is in that spot. You see, for each and every one of us, we see the Holy Spirit kind of working inside of us. And that's, that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit's the one who changes us, he unifies us, he empowers us to do what? To do the work of ministry, to be the hands and feet of Jesus extended to those around you. But I wonder what you're expecting. Today I want to look at Matthew chapter 9, and in Matthew chapter 9 we, we see this account of Jesus unfolding. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 9, if not, it'll be up on the screen. I want to encourage you, man, why not, let's start bringing our Bibles together. I don't know, like, I know that seems a little old school. In fact, this morning I was like, man, I'm going to bring my Bible down, but I wanted to read from the ESV, and I don't have an ESV actual paper translation um, of the ESV, and so I've been using this excuse, and I was kind of complaining to the Lord. I'm like, well, God, it's on my iPad. I don't need to bring that. He's like, why don't you just bring the actual, like, your actual Bible and read from it? I was like, well, it's NIV, and the Lord's like, then why don't you buy an ESV? And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe I could do that. <laughs> and um, because I think there's something said about when we actually open up God's word. When we spend time reading God's word. Every week we're soaping. And we've been soaping in Hebrews, which has been fantastic. To see what God's been doing and challenging us through the book of Hebrews. And as we're reading that, we're challenged with this idea that, you know, even, even like yesterday, this idea in chapter 12 that we're therefore surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Like, so run the race that God's called us to. And Jesus here in Matthew chapter 9 is setting the scene for us. But prior to that, in chapter 8, he's been pretty busy. Let me, let me just kind of review a few things uh, just for you to understand how busy Jesus has been. 
Um, at the first part of chapter 8, he heals a man who has leprosy. Then the Bible says many others are healed from there. Then Jesus encounters a demon-possessed man that he sets free. Then they get out on the water, and Jesus actually speaks to a storm that arises up and calms the storm by speaking to it. There's another moment right after that where two violent demon-possessed men are set free. People can't even go by them because they're just, they're just crazy. There's two of them, and they're overpowering everybody. But Jesus sets these men free. Then from there we see Jesus healing a paralyzed man. Then from there, this is pretty crazy, a dead girl is raised back to life. And then after that, a sick woman is healed. That's all in one chapter. Can you just say that's a lot of stuff? (laughs) And here's what we see. There's an expectation that is rising. Verse 27 says this, and Jesus passed on from there. So imagine Jesus was passing on from there. From where? What was he doing? Healing people. The expectation has begun to change. In fact, if you look back at verse 26, it says, news of this spread throughout the region. Why? Expectation was growing. People are like, man, it seems like every time Jesus is around, like something cool happens. I saw this dude who who was paralyzed. Boom, he receives his legs back. Dude, I heard this girl who had been raised from the dead. She's literally dead, and he raises her back to life. There was these two demon-possessed dudes that were beating the snot out of everyone who tried passing through their area. Jesus steps onto the scene and is like, boom, get out. And they were set free. People's expectation was growing because they were hearing about what God was doing. What are you expecting? Is it more than just things you read on the pages of Scripture, or do you actually believe and expect these things to still happen today? So here's Jesus. He's going on his way, he's leaving from that area. Um, because why? Because he, he's, got, he's got a mission. And the mission is taking him from that area that he was in where all these healings and and amazing miracles have taken place. And here's what the Bible says. It says, two blind men followed him crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind man came to him and said to, to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. I believe this, that God uh, is showing us in this uh, simple passage here four steps to expectation. So if you're taking notes, you can write these down. Four steps to expectation. The first is this, is follow. The second is this, it's ask. The third is go in. And the fourth is answer yes. Follow ask, go in, answer yes. We're going to unpack these here in a moment, but before we do that, I believe that God wants to set free some obstacles from our lives right now, and I just want to pray over us, because I believe that this message right here is something that if we would actually apply it to our lives, could change everything. If we actually came with expectation 
Every time the church gathered together, every time we spent time with the Lord in our personal times of prayer, if we expected God to move in amazing ways, I believe God would be faithful and would meet with us right where we are. So I just want to pray right now over you, everyone who's watching, that God would remove any obstacles that would keep you from expecting God to move. So Father, right now, I pray over every person within the sound of my voice, I pray that you would meet with them right where they are. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to convict, you would begin to remove obstacles that we have built in our lives that have kept us from fully understanding who you are and the truth of your word. I pray, God, that you would challenge us today to walk in a place of obedience, to take steps forward, to expect you to do the impossible in and through our lives. I pray these things in the name that is above all the names, the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Step one, follow. Uh, it's interesting. I, I know as we read this, it, you can easily read this and you can say two men or two blind men followed him. But let's pause there for a second. Two blind dudes followed Jesus. That's not an easy task. Two guys who couldn't see followed Jesus. It wasn't like there was a road. There wasn't, there wasn't like this, this path laid out. There was no GPS or, you know, Siri, left, right. No, two blind guys are following Jesus. Can you imagine that for a moment? Don't miss this. Because see, here's the first thing we see is, is so many times we immediately have excuses to why we shouldn't or couldn't follow Jesus. Well, I just, I just, you know, I know, I, I just don't know. I don't really know where God's leading me. I, I, I just, I can't really see all the steps ahead. So I'm just gonna kind of just, I'm just gonna play it safe. Just kind of pull back a little bit. We get excuses all the time as to why we're not gonna follow. If anyone had excuses, it was these two blind dudes. Follow Jesus? Where is he going? I don't know. Now think about this, and I didn't even say this first gathering, but those blind guys, in order to follow Jesus, had to leave all of the comforts behind. Where was the comfort? A place that they were familiar with. See, when you don't have sight, you keep yourself in familiar surroundings because you begin to memorize where you are and you can kind of begin to make life a little bit more normal. For these two blind guys, they had pieces of their life that were probably pretty normal. In fact, many of the times where we see those who were blind, they were actually beggars who would actually find themselves by the city gates. People would have pity on them, and they would just throw over, you know, just different amounts of money, helping, you know, them out as best as they could. The community would kind of take care of them. These two blind guys left their comfort to follow Jesus. Why? Because they were expecting something from him. Don't, get, don't miss that. What would happen if when we followed Jesus, we actually expected something? It's not like Jesus is like a slot machine where you put the money in and he'll play a certain song. But what if it was like we actually went to Jesus saying, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this. I'm expecting God to do something miraculous. What would happen if we followed with expectation? 
Let me do this for a second. I'm just going to have you close your eyes for a moment. How many of you right now, with eyes closed, feel confident that you could follow me in the room? You just, you're like, I, I feel confident with my eyes completely closed that I could follow you, Pastor Brian. Anybody? Not really. No one's really raising their hand. Magdalena, you think you could? All right. Everyone else, open your eyes. Okay, Magdalena, I need you to stand up. Come on, you said you could do this. Close your eyes. All right. And I want you to follow me. Can you do that? You said that you could. One, no, 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 no. I need you. I, eyes closed. Follow me. Can you do that? Just, just take a few steps. It's okay. <laughs> Can you follow me? Okay. But what if, what if I was silent for a little bit? <laughs> okay. Can you hear me still? Okay. What if I was right here? (laughs) Thank you. Give her a big hand right there. A simple illustration right there that shows us, I mean, like, this wouldn't have been an easy thing to follow, right? She was confident when she could hear my voice, but then after a while, she couldn't hear me anymore, and she said, wait a minute. I know there's obstacles. I know there's things around me. This is difficult. I want you to picture that for a second, how difficult that moment would be to follow Jesus. And here's two blind guys who say, we're going to leave the comforts and everything behind to follow Jesus. Why? Because we're expecting him to do a miracle. If two blind guys... Who heard what? Maybe three or four stories? Maybe three or four stories. Think about this. They didn't have the pages of scripture to look at. Three or four stories, maybe they had heard. Maybe they heard about the daughter who was who was raised back to life. Maybe they heard that story. Maybe they heard about the paralyzed guy who who got his legs back. Okay. Maybe they heard about the demon possessed. Maybe a few. Maybe there was a handful of stories. Let's just say five. Five stories they heard about, and yet they were willing to follow Jesus to wherever he went. Because why? They were expecting him to move. Now, different scholars are in different places when this, but but basically, some scholars say there's around 83 recorded miracles in the Old Testament. 
80 miracles in the New Testament. When we look at how many miracles Jesus performed, it's around 37 miracles. So just think about it. Even if you just took, you know, the two and added them together, that would be 163 different miracles that we can read on the pages of Scripture. You know what that should mean to us? Our expectation level should rise dramatically. Why? Because we can look at the page of Scripture and see, no, this is what God does. Like, he heals people. Like, I don't have to doubt when I'm praying for somebody that they're going to be healed. Because here's the reality. We don't do the healing anyways. Our job is just to expect him to do the healing. So stop putting the pressure on yourself and saying, well, what if they don't get healed? That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to expect that God will heal. And so we follow The second step is this, is ask. Here's what the scriptures say, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. Now remember, this is before they actually go into the house. Now I picture it a little bit like this. They're following after Jesus, and as they're following around, there's a crowd of people around Jesus. We know at least the disciples are around Jesus. So there's at least some distance between Jesus and these two men. Now, they're blind, so that means it's not like they're right in the midst of the crowd. It's not like they see, oh, Jesus moved. Okay, I'm going over here. They're listening for his voice. They're, they're watching. They're listening to others. Or they're not watching. They're, they're listening to others around them trying to what? Stay by Jesus. And every now and then, I can just picture these two blind guys yelling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. Because why? Jesus is going about. He's got a plan. He's trying to accomplish something. But these two blind dudes, they do not give up. They're going to follow and they're going to ask. And it's crazy to think about how many of us don't even ask. We don't follow. We just kind of hold back. Why? Because we feel blind. And yet, here's what we see. Two blind dudes following Jesus and asking. The psalmist said it this way in Psalms 5.3. He says, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait in expectation. The psalmist was telling us, listen, come before the Lord and ask, and then wait in expectation. It's like, I know God's going to move. Now, it may not look how I want it to look. He may not always answer prayers how I think they should be answered. And praise God, he doesn't. Because if he answered the way that we want, we don't get to see the big picture. And since we don't get to see the big picture, if he always just answered our prayers the way we wanted to, it would mess up the what? The big picture. But because God knows the big picture, he's answering things based on these things. And he's faithful, though, to his promises and faithful to his word. And that's why we say, God, with expectation I follow you and with expectation I ask. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, casting all your cares upon him for what? He careth for you. We must ask. When was the last time you asked? When was the last time you took to the Lord and said, God, I'm believing for a breakthrough here? These men recognize, these two blind guys recognize Jesus as the Messiah. That's why they're saying, "Uh, son of David, have mercy on us. 
They're recognizing that Jesus came from the messianic uh, lineage there. They're recognizing the importance of who Jesus is. And in that recognition, they're saying, I will follow you, and I'm simply asking. I love how Spurgeon put it this way. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, their sole appeal was to mercy. There was no talk about merit, no pleading of the, their past suffering or their persevering endeavors or their resolves for the future, but have mercy on us. And then, Don't miss this. He will never win a blessing from God who demands it as if he had a right to it. See, they easily could have come to the Lord and said, we were born blind, this injustice happened. Do you know what it's like to walk around not being able to see you? Do you understand all these reasons? But they don't. What they simply say is just have mercy on us. Please just have mercy on us. Just have mercy on us. Whatever your plan, whatever your will, however you would see it, just have mercy on us. We're going to follow and we're going to ask. What if every time we came to church, we simply came to the Lord saying, God, it wasn't because I did all the right things this week that you should somehow bless me. I'm just expecting you to move because that's just who you are. What if we actually left at the door when we came into the church the mistakes we made that we think will somehow now become an obstacle between us and experiencing God? See, some of you are expecting God not to move because you live like the world all week long. But the reality of it is, is God still loves you and God's character is still who he is. Why not come in just expecting God to move so that way when that move happens in your heart and life next week, you're not failing. But maybe some of us are continuing these same old patterns because we just never have expectation. I'll just always be this way. I'm just always going to struggle with this thing. Why? I hear men say things like this. I'll just, I'm always going to struggle with pornography. Why? You don't have to struggle with that. Well, you don't understand. It's just too hard. What do you mean I don't understand? I'm a man. Like, I understand exactly what you're talking about. I understand the temptation that's there. I understand how and why we want to escape to those things. And it's not just men anymore. It's women as well who are dealing with the same stuff. I understand it. Here's what I'm telling you. You can have freedom from it. Stop expecting, oh, I just expect this week I'm going to struggle with it, and then on Sunday I'm going to come in, I'm going to ask God to forgive me, and, and I just expect that that's probably why I'm not really experiencing the fullness of who God is. Stop. Expect God to move. Follow him. Ask. Here's the third. It says this, go. Go in. It says, when he entered the house, the blind man came to him. Now, this is interesting. I don't know how the blind man got in the house, right? We don't know. Maybe they were like, you know, Mission Impossible, you know, sleuth guys coming in, somehow make their way into the house. Probably not. They're blind. <laughs> somehow they probably, in the crowd, began asking, hey, do you know where Jesus went? I'm not hearing him anymore. Do you know where he went? I don't know. Hey, do you know where Jesus went? Just asking around. Do you know where Jesus went? Hey, does anyone know where Jesus went? Does anyone know? Finally, they get to somebody and say, hey, do you know where Jesus went? Oh, he, yeah, he's over at Paul's house. Let's just say it's Paul's house. He's over at Paul's house. Oh, okay, sweet. Hey, do you know where Paul's house is? Does anyone know where Paul's house is? Hey, can anyone take me to Paul's house? Right? Like, they're having to ask around to just get to the house. Then they get to the house, and then they have to knock on the door, and they're like, hey, is Jesus in here? 
And just imagine, like, if you're, if you're the owner of the house, who are you? Uh, have mercy on me! You know, like, you're kind of busting through the door. Who knows? But somehow they get into the house. Somehow they go in to the house where God's at. And it's when they go in that they receive the miracle. Now, this may be a little bit of a stretch, but what if going in to the house of God was the place where you actually found your miracle? Well, that's a little stretch, Pastor Brian. Okay. But really? Well, I mean, I can worship God from my home. Yes, you can. But there is something that happens when community comes together. There's something that happens when we actually worship together. I'll tell you this. It is not the same worshiping in my living room. It's just not. So many distractions. It's just not even the same. I don't see you guys around. Sometimes I come in, I don't feel like worshiping all that much. But when I see you like, boom, fully abandoned to the Lord, I'm like, you know what? That should be my posture. Expectation. Go into the house. So here's these two dudes who don't let anything stop them. They go in to meet with Jesus. They're the ones who come in to the house expecting to meet with Jesus. They're like, if we can just get into the house, if we could just get into the house, then I know I have expectation that Jesus will do something. And what happens? Jesus does something. I love what Hebrews chapter 10, we just were soaping in here. It says this in verse 24. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love. See, that's important, that we're actually encouraging each other, stirring us up. When I see Amy over on the piano, and she's over there, and she, I mean, sometimes she doesn't even have to have a mic, and you got Amy just, ah, ooh, ah. she does way better than that, way better than that. But she's just busting out, and I'm just like, all right, come on, Amy, let's go somewhere. When I see Noel over here on the side, jumping and dancing around, like, okay, yeah, let's go somewhere. When Pastor Eric's strumming his guitar so hard, I'm like, dude, that dude is going to break those strings. But he's just like, Jesus! Like, I'm like, he's, like a, he's a rocker. And uh, I think he has a little bit of rocker in him, don't you? You do, don't you? I mean, those tattoos just kind of make me just think, like, and then the bald head and the sweet, the sweet, sweet, sweet beard. It's like, it's like one day, one day I could grow a real beard. No, I can't. But um, there's something that happens when we come together. It says, stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some. It's almost like, it's like the writer of Hebrews knew that there would become a habit. Here's, I'm just going to say this. Some of us have gotten into the habit of not meeting together. Scripture says that it would actually happen. As is the habit of some. Someone just get into the habit. Now we can sit back and be like, well, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's COVID, it's all these things. I think eventually, and I think we're kind of in that spot right now where we need to be like, dude, I haven't seen you at church in a while. Where you at? Someone was telling me the other day, they said, hey, you know what? Like, I left, I haven't been at church in a while, and no one called me. What kind of family is that? And I'm like, I'm sorry. The habit 
of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, we meet together in the house of the Lord. In the house of the Lord, we spend time together. In the house of the Lord, we pray together. In the house of the Lord, we worship together. In the, God's house, we expect God to move. Why? Because it's like, I don't think anything different. It's like every Sunday, if we came with expectation in our heart, like, dude, I'm going to meet with Jesus today. People are like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm, dude, I'm going to meet with Jesus today. Really? Where? Do Bethany Assembly. You know, right over across from Coles, Dude, every time we get together... I'm expecting God to move. It's incredible. You would not believe it. You know what people go? They go, maybe I should come check that out. Or you're like, well, I just got to go to church on Sunday because it's my religious duty. Got to get the star on my chart of religious duties accomplished. Oh, sign me up for that. (laughs) Dude, I'm not interested in that. I don't know about you, but I am not interested in checking off some religious box. If that is what Christianity is about, is some religious do's and don'ts thing, I don't want to have anything to do with that. But if it's about a personal relationship with Jesus where I can come expecting God to do amazing things, dude, sign me up for that. I want to be a part of that team all day long. Yeah, you can clap for that one. So one of the things I'm, I'm really excited about, and we're going to try this out just this summer, and then maybe next summer we'll try it out again. I don't know. But we're going to try something out. I began realizing that there was a difference between our first gathering and our second gathering. We started realizing just the difference between the two. Like, I mean, like just even things like different responses in the altar call. Sometimes the message is a little bit different. Just even worship is different sometimes. And I just began thinking, man, if we're trying to build a culture that's unified together, what could it look like if we actually joined both gatherings together? And so we started saying, what could happen if we actually did that? Well, it would mean a little bit of discomfort for both gatherings. Because we could just pick right in the middle and we could say, hey, for the summer, we're going to do a summer schedule. We're going to try something out. We're going to experiment. But what if this summer, starting on Father's Day, and this is a big announcement, we went to one gathering at 10 a.m.? What could happen if we actually took the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m. gatherings and pushed them together? Well, there's a lot of things that could happen. One, we actually could worship with people we didn't even know came to our church. Some of you are going to meet people and you're going to be like, you go to my church? And they're going to be like, you do too? Hopefully you're not too surprised that they go to church um, based upon how they live during the week. But, but at the same time, it's awesome when you begin realizing that you're in something that's bigger than just yourself. And there's something that happens when the church comes together. So this summer... Starting on Father's Day, going till September 5th, so that's Labor Day weekend, we are going to go to one gathering during the summer at 10 a.m. I know that means some of you are going to have to get up a little bit earlier, okay? And you're like, that's not fair. Hey, it's okay. Just think this. You get to lunch faster, all right? Yeah, come on now. And you get to have meat and steak and all the good trimmings, okay? But 10 a.m., we're going to start it on Father's Day weekend, and uh, it's going to be a blast. I'm excited to see what God's going to do this summer as we just bring the whole church body together. So that's, I know that's a big announcement. Um, all of our teams, a lot of our team members already know that because we've been talking about it from a serving standpoint. But we just want to see what could happen this summer if we just brought the whole body together. Now, we know the place will feel a lot more full. And so, like, right now you're like, dude, I can kind of get my pick of the room. It's going to be a little different because when both gatherings are gathered, um, it will be a lot more full. 
but we have an enlarged kids space that we spent a ton of money and resources on, so we don't have an issue there. We have great student space. We have a large event center. We have a large sanctuary with seats everywhere. I just think it's going to be really cool to see us all go in to the house of God together in one gathering at 10 a.m. So please help us spread the word. It's not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, uh, which is Father's Day, we'll be going to that. So that's super exciting. Let me share with you the last um, step here, and we'll wrap up. It's answer yes. It's interesting because I think for some of us, our answer normally is not even so much no, but it's like maybe. God's like, hey, I, I want you to go do this. And we're like, okay, maybe. We, we don't say no because we don't want to tell him no, but we say, ah, or, or here, here's, here's a great Christian one. Let me pray about that, God. And God's like, I'm the one asking, why are you going to talk to me again? <laughs> God, I just don't know. Is this, like, I'm just, I'm just wondering. He's like, hello, I'm already talking to you. It'd be like if Kasha's like, Brian, I want you to take the trash out. And I was like, okay, just give me a minute. And then I'm like, Kasha, do you want me to take the trash out? She's like, are you an idiot? Like, I just told you and asked you to take the trash out. I know. Well, I just wanted to make sure you wanted me to take the trash out, not the boys. Because it's actually the boys' responsibility to take the trash out. Isn't that what we'd always do? We always say it's someone else's responsibility, it's someone else's issue, it's someone else's thing. But what if we actually just answered yes? When God said, do you believe in miracles? Yes. Do you believe I want to heal sick people? Yes. Do you believe that I want to send revival to this nation? Yes. Do you believe that I am a God of more than enough? Yes. What if our answer simply became yes? So we followed, we asked, we go in, and we answer yes. Read this with me. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, what's interesting about this is the guys have been asking the whole time, have mercy on us. And Jesus doesn't just say to them, okay, be healed. He actually asked them a question because he needs there to be a response. He needs something to activate inside of them. And so he says to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? It's interesting because what did they ask him to do? Have mercy on us. They did not say, heal us, make our eyesight come back. They trusted God with the results. So many times we come to God and we're like, God, this is what I need you to do. And God's like, well, that's not a part of the plan. But God, this is what I need you to do. These men came to God and said, God, have mercy on us. They were just simply asking God, whatever your plan is, just have mercy on us. And so God says to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And just imagine that moment. They're like, uh, I think he's going to heal me. Is it going to be my eyesight? I've heard that. That would be really cool. But they don't know that. Do you catch that? They don't know. Jesus didn't say, do you want me to heal your eyes, bros? Yes. No, he just says, do you believe that I am able to do this? They could have in that moment said, do what? What you talking about? What are you willing to do? I got to have it all figured out. Isn't that what we do all the time? 
before we ever answer yes, we're like, no, 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 I need, I need to know what I'm saying yes to. I need to know, I need, I need to, I, oh, I need the contract. I need everything spelled out right here before I say yes. But do you get this from this passage? They're asking or being asked a question. And if they were to say, and who knows, what if they would have said to him, well, what, what, what is it that you're talking about? But instead, they just simply answered, yes. Yeah, we believe you're able to do it. Whatever that may be, I don't know what it's going to be, but we're able, we believe that you are able to do it. And then here's what it said. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. See, Jesus answers or asks a question that requires just a simple answer. Do you believe? Yes. I think so many times we overcomplicate the simple response that God's looking for. He's saying, will you follow me? Will you ask? Will you go in? Will you just simply say yes? Four steps. A while back I was listening to a message by Bill Johnson, and Bill Johnson said this, and he was talking really to, I think, the church in general. And it was something that's really convicting. He said, it's difficult to expect the same fruit of the early church when we value a book they didn't have more than the Holy Spirit they did have. Let me say it again because I know it's a, it's a lot right here. It's difficult to expect the same fruit as the early church when we value a book, the Bible, that they didn't have more than the Holy Spirit they did have. You may say, well, man, that sounds like a heretic. Like he's, He's saying, don't trust the Bible. That's not what he said. He's just simply saying, some of us are so caught up with, is it in the book? And we're so caught up with all of that, that we miss what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. Now, you may say, well, then how do we know, Pastor Brian, if we're actually doing what God's asked us to do? Well, is it, is it contrary to what God's word is saying? Then that's, that's not the Holy Spirit. So we know that. But many times the Holy Spirit's just saying, hey, will you just say yes? We just say yes to what I'm calling you to do, yes to his calling, yes to giving, yes to following, yes to asking. James 4.8 says this, say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin, purify your inner life, quit playing the field. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. It's all about simply following, asking, going in, and then just answering yes. This past Wednesday night at our night of worship, I really felt like the Lord gave us a prophetic message as a church. And it became a heart's cry and prayer throughout the entire night of prayer and worship. And it was this, why not here? Why not now? Why not in me? And the idea was, why not, God? Why not now? Why not pour your spirit out now? Why not miracles now? Why not healings right now? Why not people being set free? Why not now? Why not now, and why not here? Why not here, 
And then why not in me? Why not here? Why not now? And why not in me? In fact, today I'm believing that God's going to deposit that into you. Because see, that's expectation. Why not here, God? (laughs) Why not now? And why not in me? Why not in us? Why not? What if we just came expecting? Why not? Why not here? Why not now? And why not in me? What could happen if we just expected God to move? What could happen if every time the musicians came up on stage to worship, we were like, boom, I'm ready, and we're down in the altars, and we're like, dude, we're ready, I'm ready to worship the Lord. Because we recognize it has nothing to do with who's on the stage. It has everything to do with the center of our attention and focus, Jesus. And if we remembered that he's in the room, we'd be like, dude, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to completely abandon myself. When the scriptures say that David would dance before the Lord naked, you may say, dude, that's a little weird. That's a little, like, unabandoned. And, and it would be. Please, <laughs> please don't come next week and be like, woo, worshiping Jesus. Because our ushers will have to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right? But what is it saying? What's the scriptures actually talking about? The scriptures actually right there are just are, are basically saying that David just completely abandoned himself before the Lord. Because he knew he was worshiping the creator of heaven and earth. Who do you worship? What are you expecting? Come on, can we just follow? Can we ask? Can we go in? Can we remember just to say yes? What could happen if we did that? I close with this passage of scripture right here. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says, we were crushed and overwhelmed. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel that way. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. Yep, I feel that way sometimes. But... That was good. For then we put everything into the hands of a God, for he can even raise the dead. Now think about that for a second. What if God wanted to use COVID-19 to put us in a spot where we would simply put ourselves back into the hands of God and say, God, I'm just expecting for you to do something. My dependency has become about other things, but I want to switch that dependency upon you and you alone. You may say, well, did God cause COVID-19? No. But does God actually use COVID-19? Absolutely. Because God causes all things to work together to them that love and obey. And those who trust God. Like when we love and we obey, God says, oh, I'm going to use all that. So I believe this, that God wants to use the circumstances of COVID-19, a really difficult time, the pandemic of our lifetime, right? He wants to use that to see the church propelled forward like never before. But we have got to expect some great things from God. Because here's the thing. God's just looking for a church who's expecting. And I believe this. When the Bible talks about him pouring out his spirit upon us in the end days, I believe it's, he's looking for people who are expecting. Here's what it goes on to say. And he did help us. So he does goes on to say, and we expect him to do it again and again. We sing a song here where we say, will you do it again? 
And in that song, we're kind of declaring this idea of, God, would you do it again? Would you do it again? Would you do it again? This past week, we saw people experience some great things in an altar where we were gathered around and people were being touched and we were praying and laying hands on the sick and people were being healed. People were being healed. Why? Because people came with expectation. And someone sent me a message that, Pastor Ryan, it felt like the old days when we used to gather around the altar. And here's what I want to challenge. Those moments are fantastic. And we can remember those memories. I have so many incredible memories of things that have happened in my life from years past. But I don't live in the memories. I live in the future where I'm saying, God, I want to see you do it again. I want to see you do it again. I'm expecting, so I'm going to follow. I'm going to ask. I'm going to go in. I'm going to simply say yes. Today, you have an opportunity to say yes. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet across the room. Father, across this room, people are standing in their feet for in one way, God, just simply because they've been asked. God, I wonder what could happen today if we just expected you to move, even in this moment right now. What if we just simply said, God, move in me? Why not here? Why not now? Why not in me? Why not here? Why not now? Why not in me? God, what if we came with expectation in our heart? God, I know that there are some in the room today who maybe they find themselves far from you. They don't have a personal relationship with you yet. And today, Holy Spirit, you're reaching out to them and you're saying, listen, this is your moment right now. You can be set free from sin. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus. All you have to do is ask. And if you're here in this room right now, And you'd say, you know what, that's me right now, Pastor Brian. Like, I need to take that step. I need a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't have that right now. And I need to be forgiven of my sin. Sin is anything that you've ever done wrong. And the Bible says we've all sinned. So don't worry. We're all in the same place. But Jesus is reaching out to you. He died upon the cross on Calvary so that you could be set free. He became the sacrifice for your sins so you could be forgiven from sin and you could have a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you're here in the room today and you say, you know what, that's me. That's my first step. My first step is is I need a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do something real quick. I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand real quick. You just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need a personal relationship with Jesus. And I just want to take that step today of just saying, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life. I see that hand. Come on, anyone else. I see that hand. I see that hand. You just say, I just need that personal relationship with Jesus right here, young lady. I see that hand. Anyone else? You just say, I need that personal relationship with Jesus. I want to take that step today. I see that hand, sir. Just say, that's me. I'm taking this step today. I need this relationship with God. doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church. Do you need to take that step today? Is that where you're at? That's fine. There's no condemnation. That's you. Just real quickly, just raise your hand. All right. I want us to pray with those who raised their hand today as a church body. We're going to pray together in unity because we believe God meets with us right now in this moment. Expectation is is God is going to set some people free. There's going to be sins forgiven because we're going to ask. So let's go to him together and let's ask. Father, we just ask right now. Would you just repeat this with me? Say, Father, we ask right now that you would forgive us of our sin. We recognize that we can't do this on our own. 
I need you. So right now I receive your free gift of salvation. Change my life. From this day forward, I want to live for you. I want to live with expectation. So be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap of offering right there. One more thing. If today you're in this room and you're like, you know what? Like, I need some expectation to grow in me. I want God to grow expectation in me. I just want you real quickly right now just to raise your hand. Just say, I want, I want expectation to grow in me. Like this idea of like, I want to expect more from God. I want to believe for more. I want to see God do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever imagine or guess. All right, keep those hands up. God, right now we pray over every person who has their hand raised. God, I'm raising my hands with them. I want expectation to grow in me, God. God, we simply are saying right now, God, cause expectation to grow in us. God, cause us to be people who are hungry for your word. Cause us to be people who are hungry to pray for the sick and to see them healed. God, may expectation grow. May we say, God, every time I believe the church comes together, I want to be a part of it because I believe you're going to move. I believe you're going to do great things. God, may we expect for healings to take place. May we expect for people to be set free. May we expect you to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever imagine or guess or request beyond our wildest dreams. And God, you would do it not by pushing us around, but by your spirit deeply and gently working inside of us. God, work in us today, I pray. Work in us today, God, I pray. We thank you, God, that you are a God who is more than enough. So God, we follow you, we ask, we go in, and we answer yes. We answer yes. Why not here? Why not now? And why not in us? God, may that be our heart's cry this week, next week, the week after, the month after, God. May our heart's cry simply be to be people who would say, why not here? Why not now? And why not in me? In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.